0: A really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. and We believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. It mean expecting me to come up and talk after that but amazing and um, we really do want you to know everybody that's here some of you have woken up to absolute chaos this morning and we longing for peace and quiet some of you have woken up to peace and quiet and are longing for chaos however you've come in today we really do pray that you know that you are so loved here that you belong here and that we are a family And so we really do just praise God for every single person from the youngest to the oldest. And we really do pray that as we go through the service, you realise the grace of God is not for the person sitting next to you. It's for you. And so that's our prayer for the service this morning. So just if those people that are doing a Bible reading, if you can come up the front for me now, that would be amazing. While we're doing that, just to let you know what you're going to have in your activity packs today. So for those children that maybe... Forgot it was Mother's Day. For those people that didn't give their mums breakfast in bed, Ian. Maureen was saying she didn't get breakfast in bed. And Ian was saying, well, it's not my responsibility. Who else's responsibility is it? (laughs) So those people that forgot, we have got some flowers for you to make in your activity packs. To take and give them to some awesome woman in your life. So it can be anyone at all that you want to give them to. And we've also got a card. For you to make a mother's day card for your mum so that's what's in your activity packs today okay are, are we i bet you're not in order are you no. no don't worry just hand it to whoever says they're next so we've got our bible reading now let's just quickly pray before we do our bible reading lord we thank you so much that you are in this place we thank you so much that there is nothing that we've done nothing that we've said that can separate us from your love and we turn back to you. We repent of those things that have stood in the way and we stand on the promises that you've given us, the promises individually and the promises as a church that you will never leave us, that you have great plans for us and that we are loved. And so we place this service into your hands in Jesus' name, amen. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father.
1: Instructions for the Christian household. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord.
0: Wonderful. And they weren't hand-picked for those verses, especially not Don, obviously. Uh, thank you. Go and sit yourselves down then. Brilliant. Okay, I need to really try and be quick this morning, which isn't easy for me, but I will try. So we're thinking about this morning two parts of the Bible reading. In a minute, David's going to come up and he's going to talk to us about how we can be freed to really be the people that God has created us to be. But before that, we're going to think about that Bible reading that we've just read, because it's talking about relationships. Relationships are so important. Whether they are a parent-child relationship, husband and wife, whether they're a relationship with people in church, it's really important that we can live in unity and love. And the only way that happens, that Bible verse... It's very easy to pick one verse out, especially if you're a parent and you're saying, children, don't be disruptive. But that Bible verse shows us that the way that we have unity and love is to have mutual respect, because it goes backwards and forwards between the two people. And if everybody lives up to what their responsibility is, that's when people see God in us, because we're living in unity. And so we're going to think about that today. Did anyone make their mums a cupcake this morning? Jonathan and Jesse, I know that you did, because you were here yesterday, so I know you did. And Sophie, so some people might have made cupcakes today. When you're making a cupcake, the end product is beautiful, delicious. Yeah, I knew Amelia would laugh at that. It's absolutely delicious. But it takes lots of different things to put together in order for a cupcake to work. It's the same with relationships. So we're going to think about that today, and Annabella's going to come up and help me. Annabella's going to be my hand this morning. You've had to do that quite a lot over the last few weeks, haven't you, Annabella? She tried to get Sarah to come so she could hide behind Sarah, but it didn't work. Fantastic. So Annabella is going to make our cupcakes because we're going to think about what we need to add into our cupcakes. So if we could have the first slide, that would be fantastic. So relationships take effort. Um, And the first thing we're gonna add to our uh, cupcake is relationships. So if you could put what's in the relationship box into the bowl, fantastic. It says in Ephesians four verse four, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And it's so important that we really work on our relationships. Jesus was all about relationships. If you don't know that, watch the chosen. The way that he reacted with people, not just his disciples, everybody that he met, he built a relationship with them. That's what he asks us to do. And if we do that, that helps us to really show respect to the people around us. The next one, please. We've added some relationship. We're going to put some example in. So if you can add the example for me, Annabella. Wonderful. Children are great imitators. I don't know whether you've noticed that. Actually, I'm turning into my mum. I can see that. And so we do get influenced by the people that we're around. I've had conversations with parents that have come up and said, I can't get my children off social media. They're on it all the time. What are they holding in their hands? A phone. We have to set an example. We have to be imitators of Christ. And then children grow up as being imitators of Christ. And actually, the people around us do as well people don't listen as well as they imitate and so if people see god in us that's how they will want to respond so the second thing we put in was example the third thing please space i think that we really don't get this right especially as parents i'm really learning that with my teenagers sometimes you have to stand back and give them the space to do things wrong And actually, younger children need it as well. Sometimes we're so full on, let's go to this club, let's do this, let's go there, that actually they don't learn to have space. If they see us saying, actually, I just want to sit down and listen to a worship song. If they see us doing that, that will become habit for them as well. And actually for us in our relationships, if we're overpowering with people, If we don't give people space, relationships don't work. So space is really important. Have we added the space? Well done, you could start stirring it in if you want. Or you're going to add the next. See, Annabella's a better baker than me. She knew that she had to wait before she started stirring it in. That's why your cakes work and mine don't. Okay, the next thing that we're going to put in, prayer. Most important thing in any relationship, whether it's a child and an adult, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's friendships. Have you ever noticed that it's really, really hard to be angry with somebody and pray with them? And I think God's done that on purpose because there is no way that we can pray with somebody if we hold a grudge, if we are still holding on to some anger and if we've fallen out with them. And so if we aim to pray with the people that we're building relationships with, That will solve a lot of issues without necessarily having to confront it. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, pray continually. And so that's what we should be doing. Fantastic. Next thing. How are we doing, Annabella? Cool. It's beginning to look a little bit like a cake. The next thing is encouragement. We all need to be encouraged, and especially when things are tough. I think that we actually are our hardest critics sometimes and sometimes we're so hard on ourselves that we need people from the outside to tell us that we're actually doing better than we think. And I love the cartoonist with his horse who says, I think, says the horse, you're doing better than you think. And sometimes we need to tell each other that. If you ever have done leadership training at work or at school, they tell you that you should give five positive comments for every one negative. That's not because they want people to get above themselves. That's because they know it's human nature to hear the negative and forget all the positives that have been said. And so we really need encouragement in any relationship that we're in. And the next thing that we're going to add, challenge. Because having said that, Having said that we all need encouragement, if somebody's only ever nice to us and never challenges us, we don't grow. Some of the people that I respect the most are the people that quite often say the things I don't want to hear. Because if somebody's just flattering us, we will think that we're perfect, and we're not at all. And so sometimes we need to be challenged. Discipline isn't enjoyable. It says on the, in the Bible, no discipline is enjoyable. While it's happening, it's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in the right way. So sometimes we need to challenge the people that we're building a relationship up so that they can grow and we can grow with them. And then the last thing that Annabella's got, which is, I think, our, um, we've got our cupcake. She's got it in there. Well done. And then we've got our baking tray and she's gonna put it in there. And the last thing that we need to put into our relationship is time. I think that's possibly the hardest one to find. Everybody is busy. Everybody's got something to do. If we don't put time into relationships, they will not grow. The biggest way that you can show respect to somebody is to give them time. If somebody is talking to you and you're rushing away, that shows them that they don't matter. And I know that's really, really hard, but it's really important. When my older children speak to me about their favourite childhood memories, and you need to pray for me, by the way, because my two daughters are away on Mother's Day for the first time ever, so pray for me. But when my older children talk to me about their favourite memories, none of them are involved with money or with big extravagant things. It's those little things where you've sat as a family and laughed. And that's what relationships are built on. They are built on time. So how are we doing with our cupcake, has it worked? Fantastic, so the time one is when we put it in the oven and let it all come together. So that's our cupcake, that's our cupcake of how we show respect. And if you have a look, those words all go together to build respect. So let's really try today to show people how much they matter, to respect people and to build our relationships up. So thank you.
1: Thank you. So here's the question for you to consider as we continue in Colossians. What are the things that are holding you back? Just pause for a moment and think about that. I think for many people, they'll they'll look at external things, or maybe even external people. Maybe some of those challenging people in their life. And so often we can, we can go and it's, it's about this or it's about this person or it's about this circumstances. But actually there's a Christian psychiatrist who has suggested to us there's probably three things that are internal to us that actually cause us to be holding back. That's fear, guilt and anger. Fear, guilt, and anger are the things that hold us back. It's not necessarily other people. It's not the circumstances out there. It's the stuff inside us, fear, anger, and guilt. I I think I'd like to add to that shame and anxiety. I'm not a Christian psychiatrist, but I've seen over the years those five things are the biggest challenges in people's lives and holding them back. And as we continue our series in Colossians, if you have your Bible... Uh, let's come into Colossians 3. We're going to continue where Kerry left off from the reading earlier. Just as you're doing that, can I read the uh, Colossians three eighteen to 19 in the Amplified Version? Because I think it's a, a, a really useful insight. It says, Wives, be subject to your husbands out of re- respect for their position as protector and their accountability to God. As is proper and fitting in the Lord, husbands, love your wives with an affectionate, sympathetic, selfless love that always seeks the best for them. Do not be embittered or resentful towards them because of the responsibilities of marriage. Now, I'm not going to go into that. It's one of those uh, passages that can be often misunderstood. But there's a parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And we actually did a, a message as part of a series uh, on relationships and healthy relationships. Looking at this in particular. So if you go on our website and look on the media folder or on YouTube. On the 5th of June uh, last year uh, we recorded a whole message where we unpacked that theme and that passage. So you can go back and revisit that. Also to say that next week we're, we're going to look at something in terms of terms of relationships, I think it's on your next slide. We want to build healthy relationships, and, and part of that area is in the whole area of sexuality. Because we know our children are being sexualized. We, we know there's so much media, there's so much social media along those those areas, and there's so much pressure on our historic Christian values. So next Sunday night, we're gonna do a kind of probably about an hour and a half, two hour seminar, uh, thinking biblically about sexuality. Now, some of you younger people were very nervous when your parents suggested you should be at that. <laughs> we're not going to say anything that's going to embarrass you. Can I say, if your children are going into secondary school age, this would be a good session for them to be, to, be at? Because they are being formed, they are being shaped. The culture does want to say something to them. So we want to think about this area sensitively, but we also want to think about it biblically. So can I encourage you all to sign up for that? Bev will be taking your names because we want to get some resources together. We want to have a little pack that will have links and resources and some things for you to think about. So please see Bev afterwards, who's dressed in green this morning for St. Patrick's Day. Nothing to do with the Irish winning the rugby at all. (laughs) So please see Bev afterwards so that you can come to that and get the resources. Right, we're in Colossians chapter 3. Let's pick up. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Verse 22, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because you're of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you, you've done, for God has no favourites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. So right throughout Colossians, we've looked at this idea of Jesus as supreme. And I want to really revisit the, uh, this idea of Jesus being supreme. But kind of help us think about how we can live in a healthy way in relation to those three areas of fear, guilt, and anger. The first point this morning, as Jesus is supreme... We can have a new attitude of confidence to replace any feelings of fear. See, Paul's talking to slaves. And he says, don't just serve them when you're watching you. And that's the temptation that the slaves would have had. Because, of course, they would have wanted to please their master. Because for the very obvious reason, if you don't please your master, guess what's going to happen? In Roman law, the the slaves had no real status. Basically, you were the property of your master. They could beat you, they could torture you, and they could kill you, and no one in Roman society would bat an eyelid because you were just a slave. You weren't even considered human. And the gospel comes, and it's, it's completely different. And he actually challenges the master who... The slaves who must have at times lived in fear. Can you imagine someone having the power of life and death over you? By the fact that if their, their meal wasn't warm enough or you didn't serve them quickly enough or your attitude was just a little bit off. These people had the power of life and death. And so slaves lived in this fear. And it would have been very easy for them just to please their master when their master was watching them. It's a very unusual word that Paul talks about here. It's where we get the idea of an optician or something that's ophthalmic. It's, it's how it's viewed. And, and Paul's coming and saying, you know what? If you're a believer, if you're a slave, even your, your service is not to be performed to gain human approval. Don't do what you do, even as a slave, even though society says you have no status and no rights, even as a slave, don't do what you do out of fear, just to get the approval of someone else. As believers, he comes on and say, actually, your your labor, your, your effort, your work, particularly your work for others, because it's all for God anyhow, do it with the right attitude. Because your work, all of your work is directed towards Christ anyhow. Christ sees everything. Christ sees when you do it with the right attitude. Christ sees it when you don't do it with the right attitude. So everything you do is actually before the Lord anyhow. Paul goes on to talk about a sincere reverence serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the lord so paul comes in and redefines that not a cowering fear that only when people are watching you but a reverent fear before the lord because he's the one who sees everything even in the mundane stuff of life do you know what it's easy to do things when we have a platform (laughs) it's easy to do things when other people are going to notice But in the mundane stuff of life, in the mundane stuff of relationships, in the mundane stuff of marriage, are we willing to serve then or only doing it when we're being watching? Some of the common fears that we can have is the fear of rejection. Maybe we don't want to do stuff that will cause fear. Of disapproval from others. Maybe you're a person who finds it difficult to say no sometimes. And you're trying to please people all the time. And you get yourself caught up on stuff. And actually you end up resenting doing stuff. Because you're fearful of saying no. Maybe for some of you it's the fear of irrelevance. What is it they say now? FOMO? The fear of missing out? The fear of being irrelevant, that we're not going to feel needed or wanted, that we're not going to feel significant, that, that no one cares. But the Bible is very clear. God sees. God sees. God sees everything. Nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. That's what he says in Hebrews 4. Nothing. Even the attitudes of our heart. God says he is able to discern what no one else Is Do you know when we say yes, but inside we're going no? (laughs) Even God sees that. Maybe we fear taking a new step. And at the back of the mind, we're thinking, well, what if we fail? What if we get it wrong? But truthfully, the real fear should be the opposite. The real fear is, is of living a contained life, Not having a go of not trying, experience is what they call mistakes that we've learned by, huh? That's experience. God doesn't mind it when we make mistakes, that's why we need grace. You know, I remember a number of years ago going to a leadership conference, and in that conference, They were talking a lot about the area of healing and evangelism and and prayer and developing that. And I kind of sensed God saying that I I needed to develop that area of ministry for myself. But honestly, do you know what I had to do? And what I've had to do many, many times since is give up a sense of, of personal security. I've had to surrender that security of not knowing the outcome. But not giving up my security in Christ. See, that's different. Giving up our security is really giving up that limiting belief. And some of you, the biggest problem is the limiting beliefs you've placed on yourself. It's the containment that you've placed on yourself. It's the fear that you live by. What if I fail? What if I'm irrelevant? What if I'm disapproved? What if people don't like? What if, what if? And you live your life in the fear of that. And God says, you don't have to. Because in giving up your limiting belief of fear, you're not giving up your security in Christ. We go back to the start of Colossians 3. It's one of Beth's favorite verses that she's been looking at Colossians Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Come on, folks. That's double security. That's a double lock on your door. where Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. So when God says, give up your fear, give up your fear of failure, give up your fear of serving him, give up your fear that no one's watching or, or give up your fear of needing our approval, it's giving up those limited beliefs that are only holding you back anyhow. You're not giving up your security in Christ. It's one of the things after Easter, all of our groups are going to do together. We're going to do this series called Finding Your Spiritual Freedom. Because I know for many people, fear, anger, and guilt are three areas that you haven't dealt with in your life. You haven't dealt with, and you need to deal with them if you're gonna live the way God intends you to do. So for many people, the, the key is living up to what God has already called us to be. Living up to what God has already called us to be. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It's past tense. It's not something you have to work up. It's not something you have to earn. That's why it's grace. It's something that you are in Christ. Your identity, if you're a born-again believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in Christ. You don't need to earn God's approval. You have it already. And out of that, you don't have to live a life of fear. And we're gonna do a whole series right across the, group, the groups where you can find your spiritual freedom. And if you're watching online and your local to us, you're welcome to come even some of you maybe you've never connected to a group before can i encourage you to break out of that fear to break out of that sense of well i don't know people well enough or break out of that fear and get connected in this next series after easter god wants us to do that second point as jesus is supreme we can have a new center of reference to replace any toxic sense of guilt. You know, so many people not only live in fear, but they live with this toxic sense of guilt. Now, I I think there's a difference between toxic guilt and a healthy sense of guilt. Unfortunately, we, we live in a world where people say things like, oh, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as it feels good to you, You know, if it's private, it's okay. Just do what you want. As long as you're not harming anyone else, it's up to you. But actually, that's wrong. Because there's some of the things that people do, even in privacy, that are wrong. And leaves them with that sense of guilt. It leaves them with that sense that there is something wrong. Paul comes and says to slaves, work willingly, willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Work willingly. I- is that your, your center of reference, that you work with enthusiasm for the things of God, that you work with enthusiasm for your employer, Do people know you're dedicated? Someone said to me one time, said, David, you're passionate about everything. I took that as a compliment. I'm not sure if it was meant about it. But yeah, what's the alternative that we're apathetic? Romans 12:11 says, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's what God wants in our life. He wants us to be passionate. And sorry, ladies, to, to bring a domestic image up, but it's a domestic image. It's, it's the idea of a pot boiling over. You know when you keep the stuff on the boil to keep it warm? Paul says, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Work with el- willingly at whatever you do. So many Christians are caught up with this idea, oh, what's the will of God for my life? And they paralyze themselves with guilt, thinking, oh, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know what it is. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And they torture themselves figuring do you know what my bible says whatever you do whatever you do do you know what I don't think God is as interested in your career as you might think I think God says to you whatever whatever your gifts are whatever your talents are whatever your passions are whatever you do do it willingly for the glory of God Don't feel guilty about it. Don't think, oh, maybe I'm out of the will of God. Maybe I should be doing something else. Do you know what? I I wish I had their job. I wish I had their life. I wish I could sing like them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Me and Michelle are in that boat. The only keys we know are the front door and the back door. But I tell you what, have you ever stood beside Michelle in worship? She sings, not in tune, not in tune, but she sings willingly with her heart. It's the overflow of her heart. And God is interested in the overflow of her heart, not out of a sense of guilt, but willingly. You see, truthfully, sometimes we should feel guilty when we've done wrong. We should. There is a healthy sense of guilt because that will motivate us to put things right. When we've said something wrong, when we've done something wrong, when we haven't given our mothers breakfast in bed, (laughs) then maybe we should feel guilty. Ian showed me a picture this week. (laughs) Sorry. It was really funny, I thought. And it was a picture from a man, obviously, that said, when does Mother's Day end? (laughs) Wait for it because I'm starving. <laughs> so Ian, you should feel guilty. <laughs> no. But the thing about toxic guilt, it doesn't say what you've done is wrong. It says you're wrong. And some of you have lived with that. There's something wrong with me. I'm wrong. I'm not good enough. Just like the video said at the start, but that's not what the gospel says. It's not what the gospel says. We are all made in the image of God. We all have value. We all have worth before God. But particularly those of you who are in Christ, you have so much worth. You're accepted in the beloved. That's what the Bible says. His banner over you is love. That's right, Lizzie. She's looking for the percussion. Do you know what? You are not wrong. You're loved by God, and when Paul comes and says, "Whatever you do, whatever you work at, put your very best into it." Do you know the word that he actually uses? It's the word that we use for soul. That's what it means. Put your very soul into it. Not half-hearted. Not well. Hmm, yeah. I suppose I have to. No. Whatever you do, particularly in service, do it willingly. Put your very soul into it. Do you know, there's one thing I hate, probably above all else. I hate laziness. I can't stand laziness. I don't mind people making mistakes. I don't mind people learning. I don't mind people getting things wrong. But I hate laziness. And I think I have biblical grounds for that. (laughs) Because the Bible says, put your very soul into it. How would you apply this to your own life? Because if we're honest, sometimes we have felt toxic guilt even from religious leaders. Even in the religious environment. We have. But that's not the gospel and it's not what Jesus says. In fact, he spoke to people who were faced with ungodly expectations and burdens that were not of God. Matthew 11 verse 28, and I'm going to read it in the the message version. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out in religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And the question I have for you, even as a a believer, are you living freely and lightly? Are you living with those unforced rhythms of grace? Because if you're not, I can tell you why you're not. Because Christ puts his yoke on us. And if you've ever seen the oxen out in the field, they'll have a yoke, but sometimes there's one that's a little bit proud, a little bit stubborn, a little bit willful, and what it will try and do is that it will try and go its own way. It will try and go its own direction. And guess what happens when you have the yoke on you? Then you begin to chaff. It begins to rub, it begins to burn, it begins to feel ill-fitting. But if you'd stay that the yoke that's been designed for you, and if you'd keep a true straight path, you wouldn't even know you had a yoke on you. It would be light, it would be easy, it would not be a burden. So if you're living with guilt in your life and it's toxic, even if it's religious, I want to suggest to you You need to go back and examine how you're wearing the yoke of Christ in your life. So we can deal with fear. We can deal with guilt. The final one, as Jesus is supreme, we can have a new hope of reward to place any sense of anger. Man, we live in an age of entitlement, don't we? We live in an age of entitlement. And I'm not just talking about the youth. (laughs) I'm not just talking about young people But it does seem to be pretty dominant in young people But it's true everywhere People feel entitled It's my right I deserve I should have And on and on we go We live, that's the spirit of the age And people get angry If they don't get what they deserve Even as simple as a parking space Come on have you ever seen how angry people get when they're trying to park? Some of them are even Christians, and they do hand signals that aren't in the Bible. We live in an age of entitlement, and that entitlement brings and breeds with it a sense of anger a sense of resentment and Paul comes and says he's actually referring to wages verse 24 remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and your master your serving is Christ he's picking up this idea of wages and I'm sure the slaves who are listening to this thinking wages we don't get any wages we, we don't get any inheritance. In fact, under Roman law, a slave could not have an inheritance. A slave could not own any property. So the chance of a slave becoming free was very slim. The chance of a slave improving their lot in life was very slim. Because they could never own property. But in the gospel, <laughs> it's different. In the gospel, it's completely different. In fact, Paul said, has said that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Turn back there for a second if you're still in Colossians. He said, may you always be filled with joy. In verse 12, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. Those who live in the light of God. See, God has said right from the start, the gospel means that we have an inheritance. The gospel means that we have a future. The gospel means that we have a reward. The gospel means that we have a hope. Paul said it, Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not what your masters are saying about your slaves. It's not what your masters think about you. It's not whether whether your masters treat you well. It's not what you get on this earth. We have an eternal perspective. Slaves, you have an eternal perspective. There is a godly eternal inheritance. For those of us who are believers, we can stand on that truth. There was a missionary once who came back from many years service on the field and he came back on a boat and as he got off the boat, there, there was a parade and a celebration. And it wasn't for him. It was for another group of people that were coming on the same boat. And he just felt a tinge of sadness at that moment. And he said, Lord, I've come back from 40 years on the mission field. And, and there's no one even here from me. The Lord just said to him, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Isn't that great to know that there is an eternal perspective? The believer's inheritance is a gift from God. But if we're honest, sometimes we feel as if we labor without reward. Sometimes we feel as if we labor in vain. And that's the well-worn path of the Bible. It's the well-worn path of the prophets. Isaiah said it in uh, chapter 49, verse 49. Verse 4, he said, I have labored to no purpose. But somehow in that, in that moment, God has spoke to him. And he comes in Isaiah 49, he says, but my reward is with my God. <laughs> Folks, we, we need to keep that perspective. We need not to get angry because we don't seem to get the, our ego stroked here. We don't need to get angry because we don't seem to get the affirmation. We don't seem to get the breaks. We don't seem to get the things that other people seem to get. We don't seem to get the things that the the people in the world seem to find it so easy. But we have to pay the cost. Folks, we have an eternal inheritance. We have a reward in heaven. You see, all of these things, fear, guilt, and anger, They're not always conscious in our thoughts. But I tell you this, they're they're hard taskmasters in our life. They're hard taskmasters. If we live with a sense of fear, guilt, and anger, it's like those carbon monoxide detectors. You don't see carbon monoxide, do you? If you don't have the detector where the alert comes on, you're dead before you know it. Because you can't smell it. And fear, anger, and guilt in our lives, if they're not directed towards the Lord, then actually they're like carbon monoxide. They will snuff out our life. They will snuff out your spiritual life if you don't deal with them. So I have a couple of questions to ask you as we finish. How much of our self-worth is tied up in meeting the expectations of others? and is driven by fear guilt or anger ask yourself that question honestly how much of your self-worth is actually tied up in fear guilt and anger in your life i would suggest for some of you if you look onto the surface of your life that's exactly what's happening that's exactly what's driving your life but you know what you don't have to how much of our life's activities are driven by these factors, fear, guilt, and anger? How much is the, oh, I, I should do this, I, I must do this, I have to do this? How much of it so that you're running around like headless chickens and the thing that gets squeezed out is God, always? The thing that gets squeezed out is your spiritual life. How much of the shoulds and musts and have to are driven by, by these factors of fear, guilt, and anger. I can say to you truthfully, if it depends on living up to these things, you're in for some painful lessons in life. You're gonna experience some painful lessons sooner or later. But you see, if our sense of worth, if our motivation, if our center is the fact that we are completing Christ, If it's coming from the fact that as we're in Christ, we're already approved, we're already loved, we don't have to fear, we don't have to have toxic guilt, we don't have to live with anger. If our worth is tied up in Christ, then we're anchored in God's love and acceptance for us. Back in chapter 2, that's what Paul says, be rooted and grounded in God's love. That's the truth of what we need. I wonder today, do these issues speak into your life? Are you sitting there thinking, has he been reading my email? (laughs) People say that to me, you know. Or people come and say to me sometimes, who's been talking to you? (laughs) Maybe the issues of fear, guilt and anger speak into your life? And maybe your response is, well, do you know what, David? I'd love to deal with this, but I've got a Mother's Day dinner coming up, so have I. Maybe your response is, is is one of these days. Can I tell you truthfully? One of these days becomes none of these days. One of these days becomes none of these days. If you don't make the determination To deal with these issues now, you may never deal with them. Where we are today is determined by the decisions we made yesterday. You know that, don't you? Where you are in your life today is determined by the decisions you made yesterday. Where you are tomorrow is determined by the decisions you make today. So if you want a different future, you're going to have to make some decisions today that give you a different future. That give you a different way of thinking. That give you a different way of living. The good news is you can do that. Oz Guinness is a famous writer and he's written a book, it's still widely available, called The Call. And he says this, Do you long to discover your own sense of purpose? The answer is found in the words of Jesus Christ. Follow me. That's your answer. That's your answer. Take his yoke upon you. Follow him. Follow Christ and allow him to come in. Allow him to come and deal with those areas of anger, fear, and guilt in your life. So that you take his yoke upon you. So that he reigns supreme in every area of your life. Even the stuff that's under the surface. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that Jesus wants to be supreme in our life. That he wants us to deal with those issues that are a hindrance to us, that hold us back, that don't serve your purposes in our life. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us today. Whether we've never said yes to you today. I pray they will say yes. For people online who are watching who have never said yes. I pray they'll say yes to you today. For people in the building, I pray they'll say yes to that invitation that you give. Come, follow me. Help us to do that today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank
0: you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.